Let's pray. God, we thank you for this day, and we thank you once again for the opportunity that you have given us to gather in this way. Um, again, it's not the way we would prefer, but um, we are the church in this moment nonetheless, and we praise you and we thank you for that. We thank you that you're in our midst, and we ask in these moments that you would quiet our hearts and that you would speak to us. Um, a lot of us this morning, God, uh, come to this online church service with a lot of heaviness in our hearts, um, myself included. And uh, as, uh, as I look to this time of, of sharing from my heart, God, I pray that you would um, pray that you would speak really clearly through me. I pray that you would empower me in this moment to, um, to say what you would have me to say to to offer the words of life, which are only found in you, and in, in some way point people to the only hope that I know of, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the only true hope that I know of, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Be with us, open our eyes and our hearts and our ears to what you would have, um, have us hear and, and learn today. We pray it all in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, again, so good to be with you. Um, we are continuing, well, sort of, I'll get to it in a minute. We've been in a series in Colossians, and um, today brings us to Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. Um, and the theme, the title of this series has been, uh, this changes everything. And that's because the theme of the book of Colossians is that when we come to Jesus, when we receive Jesus and are joined to him, that changes everything. And I think that's a, a really appropriate message um, for us to, to just meditate on this morning um, in light of what has happened in the past several weeks and in the past several months in our world. Um, I know a lot of us are, are really longing for change. And so I'm going to read today's text, uh, and then I'll explain what we're going to do from there. So if you would meet me in Colossians chapter 3. I'll read verses 1 to 17. It says this, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Verse 5, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then 
as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Is this not, is this not our longing for our world right now? To which, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, so let me just tell you what we're going to do this morning. Uh, I had, um, I had a, a sermon planned out for this passage that I just read. I was going to say I had a great sermon planned out, but that's not true. It was like a mediocre sermon planned out. So, something talking about you know, God's divine wardrobe change and how this passage talks about how we take off our old clothes and we put on our new clothes. Uh, but as this week has gone on, um, and especially in the last couple days, I have just really felt God impressing on me uh, and on my heart that that's not the message that I needed to give this morning. Um, and, and it's awkward for me because I'm sitting alone in my office uh, staring at my phone on a tripod and, uh, and I'm not with you all and I, I can't have a real in-person conversation like I think this should be. Um, but I'm going to do my best in spite of the awkwardness. Uh, and this morning, I'm just going to speak from my heart. So I've scrapped my sermon. Uh, for someone like me, that's really stressful because I like to have a plan and I like to have an outline and I like to know where I'm going. Um, and this, I don't know if this is going to be 10 minutes or 45 minutes. It's, it's probably not going to be 45 minutes. Um, but just for the next few moments, uh, as best as I can, I just want to share with you, um, I just want to share with you from my heart. And, and I'll circle back to the text, uh, I think, at, at some point, um, but it's not going to be an expository sermon. Um, I got all the notes for it, so if you have questions on something in here, shoot me an email this week and I'd be happy to, to talk about it with you. Um, but I think um, what I really want to do is just talk a little bit about what's going on in our world and, um, and how it affects us and how it affects our body here at Abundant Life and how it's affected me. And I hope, uh, I hope in some small way to offer some bit of encouragement in the midst of what is just another really discouraging, really frustrating those words aren't even strong enough. In another season where people are just angry, and rightfully so, um, I hope for just a moment we can um, find some encouragement from God and from his word and from the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So um, maybe like probably two or three weeks ago at this point, um, I felt we felt a shift uh, in our house and in our family. For the first, call it what, two and a half months of shelter in place, it really wasn't, uh, it really was, was fine. I, um, we, we were getting along great at home. Um, everyone was, had kind of, it took us a, a minute to find our rhythm, but we figured it out. Um, and then like, like maybe two and a half, three weeks ago, it just feels like, feels like the wheels came off for all six of us in our house at the same time. And, uh, and, and in the last 
you know, I, I speak to folks from the church uh, every week. I, I, I connect with a number of folks from the church. And I'd say in the last week or two, um, it's been a really common theme. Virtually every conversation I've had with people has been along the same lines of just, um, man, yeah, I'm tired of this and I'm, I'm weary. And there's just been this over, overarching sense uh, of weariness. And that's not just from people in the church. That's from people I talk to outside of the church too, other pastors, other family members in other areas of the country. It just feels like this has been going on for a long time. And there's just, um, we're tired of it. And there's just a, a weariness. Um, can, I be really, can I be really honest with you all? I'm going to be. I'm tired of preaching to my phone. I'm, I'm tired of, of, of um, yeah, I want to be with you all. And I want to be, I want to be in, encouraging you all and being encouraged by you. And I want to be in community with you in a, in a way that's, I'm tired of Zoom calls. Can I just say that? I'm tired of Zoom calls. Uh, I'm grateful for them. But there's just a, there's just a weariness. And, and I, I, I think some of you all are saying amen because um, I know I'm not alone in that sense. And I know my family's not alone in that sense. It just, it feels like, man, this is, this has gone on long enough. Um, we're tired of it. And so, uh, in the midst of this, when this COVID-19 thing started early on, I took my bicycle and I put it in our garage and, uh, I set it up on a trainer. So I go out there a few times a week and I, I ride my bike in place and I'll, I'll watch a show on my iPad. And for the first few weeks, uh, or, or call it like the first six weeks, uh, I was watching The Last Dance, the, the documentary about the Bulls. It was wonderful. But I finished that. And so last weekend, I went out to my garage to uh, ride my bike, and I had to find something new to start watching. And I'd had several people uh, over the last year tell me that I needed to watch uh, the Netflix series When They See Us. And uh, for those of you who don't know, it's, uh, it's a, a, a Netflix series, a dramatization. It's not a documentary. It's a dramatization of um, the events of April 1989 in Central Park when um, five young African-American boys, ages like 14, 15, maybe 16, um, were falsely accused and convicted of a horrendous uh, attack on a female, white female jogger in Central Park. Um, they were accused of sexual assault and attempted murder. They did not do it, uh, but all five of them were convicted and, and put in prison. Um, they're, they're known as the Central Park Five, or now I think they're known as the Exonerated Five. So anyway, last Saturday I was out in my garage and I started watching When They See Us, the first episode. And I rode my bike for a little bit less than an hour. And at least four times, maybe five times in the midst of that, um, that hour, I almost got up off of my bike and turned off my iPad because I was so, uh, I was so affected by what I was watching. It was so hard to watch. It was just, now it's, it, it's real life events, but it's not a video of the real life events. It's just a dramatization of it. And I understand that. But the injustice and the oppression and the abuse that these five innocent boys are, are experiencing uh, at, at, in this show was, was, it was, it was just really hard for me to watch. And I, I almost turned it off, but I, I didn't. And I, and I watched it through. Um, and then went about my day and, and we did Sunday and then this week starts and all of a sudden uh, I start seeing these news stories and I see this story about George Floyd and I start watching the video of a white police officer with his knee on George Floyd's neck in the middle of the street doing something to him that, that you wouldn't do to a dog. And 
the feelings that I had when I was watching When They See Us just a couple days earlier start bubbling up, but way more strongly. And I couldn't, I couldn't finish watching that video. I had such a physical reaction, like literally felt sick and such an emotional reaction. I couldn't watch the whole thing. I was so disturbed by what I was watching. And then, and then I saw another video the same day of uh, this, this African-American man, Christian Cooper, in New York City in Central Park, uh, who asked a woman to put her dog on a leash, which is the rule in Central Park. He was bird watching. And, um, and she kind of freaks out and calls 911 and is, is hysterically telling the, whoever is on the other end of the line that an, an African-American man is threatening her, which in this uh, moment in, in our society for a hysterical white woman to call the police and tell them that an African-American man is threatening her, it's, that's an act of violence. And, um, and I just, this, this sense of weariness, which started with just like, I'm tired of this pandemic, and then just has, feels like it's come to a head this week. And all I can think about is if I am feeling weary, how are my African-American brothers and sisters feeling in this moment? Where it's like, like how much more can they endure? How much more can the African-American community endure? And so, Though I'm taking a, a little bit of a pause on our series in Colossians, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about this. This morning, the main thing I want to communicate, if you don't hear anything else from this message, is how sorry I am for what my brothers and sisters in the African-American community are experiencing and have experienced for generations and continue to experience. And not just those in the African-American community, but all people of color. And... Um, and I just feel, <laughs> I just feel like I need to speak to it this morning. And what's so hard about that for me is there is, there is probably nobody in our congregation who is less qualified to speak to the systemic racism, the, the oppression and the injustice that African-Americans and, and all minorities and people of color in our country have experienced than me. I am, I am just this privileged, sheltered, preppy white kid who has pretty much only known ease and comfort my whole life. But I just want you to know, it, my heart is breaking. My heart is, my heart is, is breaking this week. Uh, and for some reason, God in his <laughs> infinite wisdom, though, sometimes I question it, has taken me and put, put me in this place in this moment where I'm serving as a pastor at Abundant Life Christian Fellowship, uh, which is one of the most, it's not, it's, it would not be an exaggeration to say, which is one of the most diverse congregations in this country. And so, even though I'm so unqualified to speak into what is going on, I, I just want you to hear from me if you are an African-American in our body at Abundant Life or, or not in our body and somehow you're watching this, this message, um, I am so sorry for what you are going through. I know you are hurting in this moment and I, I, I cannot begin to understand what your experience in life has been like. I can't even pretend to understand. But I want you to hear from me that I am, I am hurting with you and I am... I am sorry for what you are going through and I'm sorry for what you've had to go through and I'm standing with you 
and I mourn with you in this moment for what is happening in your community to people like George Floyd and to Christian Cooper and to Breonna Taylor in Louisville and to Ahmaud Arbery in Atlanta and so on and so forth. There is, um, there is a systemic uh, racism that is rampant in our country and it is, a, it is an evil from the pit of hell. And, and I am sorry for it and I, I want you to know I stand against it and I, I speak for so many in our body at Abundant Life when I say we are sorry and we are standing with you and we mourn with you and we, we, we want you to know you are loved and you are seen and, um, and, and we wanna do all that we can to stand with you in this moment and to push back against um, this incredible evil, this scourge on our society of racism and, and injustice and oppression. It is wrong, it is from Satan, and it is our job as Christians to stand up against it and to call it out and to push back on it. I think it's so interesting uh, that we're in the book of Colossians and really the message of the book of Colossians is answering the question, can people really change? Like the longing of my heart right now and the longing of the heart of so many in our church and so many in America right now is that there would be change, that, that true change would happen. And the message of this book of Colossians is that true change is possible, but it is only possible through the person of Jesus Christ. And so when I look at the passage that I just read, and when I think about what might it possibly say to speak into the moment that we are sitting in today here at the end of May in 2020, um, there's just a couple of things that I think can apply to what we all long for, which is change, which is real, meaningful change, both in the hearts of individuals and in our society as a whole. And the first thing I think that I just want to point out is this. Uh, Paul basically makes, he, he, he makes two arguments or or he makes two statements in this passage that I just read. The first is, um, there is a life before you're joined to Christ. And that life is full of bad stuff. And Jesus, or Jesus, and Paul says, when you come to Jesus, when you receive Jesus, verse six of chapter two, when you receive Jesus Christ, you take off that old life. You put to death that old life. And what I think is really interesting about that middle section, verses five to about 10, where he's talking about what the old life looks like, is he is saying, when you come to Jesus, you need to put to death the old life. He is saying, you have a part to play. You have work. There is work for us to do if we want to see change, both in our own lives and corporately. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. But now, verse eight, you must put them all away. He is saying, when you remember the three-legged race, Jesus doesn't run the whole race for you. When you come to Jesus, the change that is affected is, is a two-person deal. It is you and Jesus working together. Uh, do you know, what a, you know what a Roomba is? It's an automated vacuum. It's a little, little machine that you just flip on and it, it, go, it zooms all around your house, vacuuming your floors and cleaning up your mess. So you can just sit on the couch and watch Netflix while the Roomba cleans up your house. What Paul is saying in the first part of chapter three is that Jesus is not a Roomba. When you come to Jesus, you don't just flip him on, 
plop on the couch and turn on Netflix while he goes around and cleans up all the messes of your life. He says, no, you partner with him. You have work to do to put to death the old self. It is not all him. It is a joint effort. And I know there's grace and grace covers all and it's not based on works. I'm not saying any of those are not true. But he's saying when you come to Jesus, Jesus is not your Roomba who just goes around and cleans up all the messes for you. He says, you have work to do. You have skin in the game. And so it takes some effort on your part. And I think um, that is a good word for the church in this moment is that we can't just sit back and watch as things like what just happened in Minnesota happened this week and say, well, Jesus will clean it up. We have to get in. We have to get our hands dirty. And we, we have work to do. And I want us as a church at Abundant Life to be involved in that work. But then the flip side of that is, Paul says you got to take off the old garments. And then in 12 through, through 17, he says, and you got to put on the new garments. And I just, I, I, you heard it as I was reading it at the beginning of this talk. Uh, how much is this the longing of our hearts that this is what our world would feel like? Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Imagine, imagine if we lived in a world that was ruled by compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other, putting on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony and the peace of Christ ruling in our hearts. So yeah, you have some work to do, but then he says in the second part, it's Christ, it's his peace. It's when you come to him that these characteristics can actually be seen in your life. And when those characteristics are seen in your life, you can actually affect the the, the people that are around you and the community that is around you and the society that is around you. Abundant Life, as I think about this moment, and there's just a sense I know from the African-American community, like the psalmist, like, how long, Lord? How long will you forget me? How much more of this do we have to endure? I think, uh, and I alluded to this earlier, I think uh, those of us who are a part of the body at Abundant Life uh, are in an, um, uh, an incredible position of incredible responsibility uh, because we can model for our, for our world, but if not our world for the Bay Area, and if not for the Bay Area, for the city of Mountain View, we can model what this looks like because we have a diversity in our body that is unbelievable. And we have white people and African-American people and African people and Asian people and Indian people and South American people and Hispanic people and Pacific Islander and European people. We are all doing life together at, at Abundant Life. And is it perfect? Of course not. We are sinful and we have, we, we have messes. Uh, but but are we doing life in unity in the way that Paul describes in, in chapter three? In an imperfect way, I think that we are. And so I, I, I believe with all my heart that we at Abundant Life have a responsibility to show our community and show our world that it is possible to live in unity with those who look different from you and talk different from you and vote different from you. May we not just encapsulate ourselves in this building on Leghorn Street and make it a club where we come hang out and worship a little bit and hear a good sermon and then go back to our individual lives. But may we blow open the doors of this building so that people can see us 
and see what our lives are like and see what the change is that the gospel of Jesus Christ can bring. And, and, and so um, the, 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 the last thing I just want to talk about is uh, what my heart is for our church and what my hope is for our church and what my prayer is for our church in light of everything that's going on in this moment. My, here's my fear. My fear is that abundant life is a place that we just go to feel good about ourselves and hang out with our friends and, um, and have great worship on Sunday mornings and hear um, a great sermon or, if, you know, a, or a decent sermon. And then we just kind of go back to our individual lives. That is not what God has called the church to be. I want to read to you from Isaiah 58. And I'm going to read a bunch of it because you just got to get the whole context. I'm going to read the first seven verses of it. Um, this is God speaking uh, to his, his people, Israel, through the prophet Isaiah. And he says to Isaiah this, Isaiah 58, starting in verse 1. He says, cry aloud, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgression, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why, this is, and then he says this, this is what the people are saying to God. Why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? And then God's response to them, behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose a day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? And then this is what he says in verse 6. God says, is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of wickedness to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Verse eight, then, then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. Abundant life, it is not church just to be a part of ALCF and sign the covenant membership card and stand up in front and then come every Sunday and say hi to your friends and, and, and be involved in a growth group and do all that and hear a good word on Sundays and, and hear good worship. God has called the church. We are not the church until we go out into the world and loose the bonds of wickedness and undo the straps of the yoke and let the oppressed go free and break every yoke and share our bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into our houses 
and when we see the naked to cover him. That is what being the church is, and it is my prayer, and it is my hope that Abundant Life Christian Fellowship in Mountain View, California will be that kind of church. I want people to come to Abundant Life. I want African Americans to come to Abundant Life, not because they come and they see that there are a lot of other people that look like them. I want that, that is awesome, it is beautiful. And I, I want that to be a reason that people come to our church, but I want people to come to Abundant Life because they know this is a place that is unified in the gospel of Jesus Christ and that the white people and the Hispanic people and the African-American people and the Asian people, we stand with each other and we hurt with each other and we stand for each other and we mourn with each other and we are together kicking in the gates of hell fighting against oppression, fighting against racism, standing up and making our voices heard. And I don't know exactly what that looks like in this moment today at the end of May 2020, but it is my prayer for our church that that is what we are known for and that is our legacy, that we are actually the church that God calls the church to be, that we, that, that we take a stand and we point out sin and we do what we can to fight against it. I don't know of any other hope to talk about or to preach except the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the only hope I know, and it's the only hope that I believe can change. It's the only hope I believe that can change hearts and change people and change communities. I have literally staked my life on it. So all I want you to hear from my heart today is that we are hurting with you, and we are, we are mourning with you, and, and, but I also want you to hear that there is a hope there is a hope that is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a hope in the fact that when we come to him, the divine buddy system, that stupid illustration, we are joined to him and it changes everything and it can change our individual hearts. Those, 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 those people who have committed these acts of racism, they need Jesus and they need their hearts changed and we need Jesus and we need our hearts changed and we need to proclaim it from the mountaintops that he is the one who changes hearts and there is hope that is found in him. Um, later on this week, I watched uh, the second, while I was riding my bike again, I watched the second episode of When They See Us. And I also, I just should make this disclaimer, I should have said this earlier. That is a very adult show with very adult themes and adult language and um, I'm not endorsing that, but it is a story, uh, uh, about the history of our country, and it's an important story for me to know, for all of us to know. But anyway, in the second episode, they, they show the trials of these boys, and then uh, when you get into the, the third episode, I got into the beginning of the third one, um, they're in prison. And in one scene, um, one of the boys is in prison, I don't know, 15 years old, not guilty, hasn't committed this crime that he is being punished for, and his mom has come to visit him. And they're sitting together, uh, and, and she, they're making small talk and she asks, are you sleeping? And he says to her, um, just okay. He says, uh, I keep hearing footsteps. I keep hearing footsteps at night and I don't know if I'm awake or if I'm asleep, but the footsteps keep getting closer and closer. And his, and his mother looks at him and she says, you keep listening to those footsteps because they're me and I'm coming to bring you home and I'm, I'm out there in my garage I don't get that emotional and I'm, I'm tearing up 
uh, like I am now. And, and then she says, all I do all day is love you. You are not alone. She says, when you cry, I cry. When you're mad, I'm mad. When you're scared, I'm scared. And when you're free, I'm free. She says, it's you and me together always. And I'm out there in my garage tearing up this week, thinking about all this stuff that has happened this week. Because that is the gospel. That is the message of the gospel that when we feel alone and scared, there is one who is coming to bring us home. And the message of Colossians, it is him and us always together. And when we cry, he cries. And when, when we're mad, he's mad. And when we're scared, he's not scared, but he knows what it's like to be scared. And so if that's you today, if you are scared, if you are mad, if you are sad, if you are hearing footsteps in the night, keep listening to them because they are the footsteps of Jesus. If you are in him, he is coming to bring you home. And that's the only hope I know and it's the only hope I know to preach is that one day he will take us home to the place where sin will be no more and where crying will be no more and where racism will be no more and where oppression will be no more and where justice will roll down and, and where death will be no more. If you hear the footsteps in the night, keep listening because they're the footsteps of Jesus and he's coming to bring us home. But in the meantime, may we stand and fight for what is right and for the kingdom of God. In the name of Jesus. Let's pray. God, we come to you just um, frustrated and saddened and discouraged by the state of our, our society and by the events of this week and of the previous months and of the previous years and of the previous generations, which we just continue to see manifesting themselves. God, I pray for forgiveness for those of us who have not done enough and who have not stood up and have not... Um, have not brought the hope of your gospel that we have and have hidden it. Let us, empower us to, to shine it brightly in the lives of everyone that we encounter. God, I pray specifically now for the communities of New York City and Atlanta and, um, and, and especially Minneapolis. God, I pray that you would bring peace. I pray that you would bring healing. I pray that you would bring hope that only you can bring. And I pray, God, in some way that those of us at Abundant Life you will empower us to rise up, whether it is just in our daily walk with our neighbors and our coworkers and our family, or whether it is in a, on a broader scale, to, to stand for you and to stand for your gospel and to stand with those who can't stand for themselves. Empower us to do that. And come quickly, Jesus. Come quickly. We pray it all in, in your name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, as we have for the last few weeks, if you would like prayer for anything today, we have our Zoom prayer uh, meeting going on right now. There's a link in the um, there's a link in the comments section or in the notes section for on Facebook or YouTube. After this is over, you can log in. You can have a live prayer time with one of our staff people or one of our prayer counselors. It would be an incredible privilege for us to do that. Um, now receive the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace until we meet again. And I hope that's soon or until our Savior comes.
and then forever. Amen.